0: Good morning. Drew called us uh, yesterday afternoon and and said he'd been running a fever for the last couple of days and and was not going to be able to answer the bell this morning. Uh, So I'm the bell ringer. And in case you were looking forward to the first Sunday of the month uh, where we don't dwell in our Philippians passage... Uh, I'm going to talk about Philippians 3 this morning, our our dwelling passage, so you won't get off uh, from it that easily. A few things I want to say about that. Uh, We live in an uncertain world, don't we? Uh, If you listen to the media or to any politician of any stripe, there are issues facing us uh, as a nation, as a world that, that seem pretty insurmountable. No one can agree on how to solve any of those problems, whether it's homelessness or drug abuse, uh, whether it's economic policy or health care and prescription drugs, whether it's climate change or foreign policy or education or terrorism or racism or sexism or abortion or LGBTQ and gender issues or whether it's glass ceilings or whether it's which lives matter. And the list goes on and on of uncertainties. Which way? What? How do we solve this? What constitutes even fake news and what constitutes the truth? Does anybody really know? And can we know? Because the world is uncertain, right? And... I'm guessing that each one of us in particular ways at a particular times live uncertain lives. There's uncertainty of health. As we age some of us know we wake up in the morning and we say well which joint needs to be replaced today? And you don't have to be old. Unusual diseases strike those who are too young. Accidents happen, cancer's diagnosed, jobs are lost, retirements are begun, finances come and finances go, relationships are started and relationships are ended, people come and they go. We're conservative, unless that is, we're liberal, or we might prefer the word progressive, but we're not really sure where we're progressing to, and we're not really sure we want to go there anyway. We go to counselors and psychiatrists, we take prescription drugs, we read self-help books, we search the web, hoping we can Google our our way to something like certainty. But it doesn't stop there. The church lives in uncertainty as well, doesn't it? Are we getting it right? What happens if we don't get it right? Oh my goodness! Can we do it better? Are we growing? Are we shrinking? Are are Christians being persecuted in our country, in our time around the world? Oh my goodness, what will we do? Will we survive? Are we too liberal? Are we too conservative? Are we interpreting, interpreting the Bible the right way? Oh, what if, if we had better leaders, or more ministries, or more activities, or a nicer building, or if we sold the building? Would we be a better church? Would God be more pleased with us in some way? And all that uncertainty in the world, in our lives, in the church, produces a certain level of anxiety that we kind of have to navigate, right? And this anxious uncertainty seems to have overtaken the little church in the city of Philippi in Paul's day. This upstart fringe minority group little odd not quite Jewish but not quite gentile not quite established but persistent and won't go away Nobody knows quite what to do with them. Their spiritual father, the Apostle Paul, the one who introduced them to Jesus, the one who has loved them and nourished them and taught them and shaped them and formed them in faith in so many ways, sits in a Roman jail cell, and his future is uncertain. There are people putting pressure on him, saying, you have to follow Torah in order to be a part of God's covenant people, which means circumcision and Sabbath observing and food purity laws. And we don't know what it is exactly, but Paul mentions the persecution that's happening to them. And so that's pressing down and weighing upon them, making life terribly uncertain. And Paul has the audacity to say, your suffering is nothing more than the privilege of suffering for Christ. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for those of you who want to be a part of the Suffering for Christ ministry. Okay? That will be a short list, I'm fairly sure. And evidently, these folks are having some difficulty, at least between two women... Of getting along with one another. There's this Yodia and syntyche, and, and Paul says, hey, could you help these women get along with one another? Evidently, if they're not leaders in the church, at least they're prominent folks. And their difficulty in relationship is causing some problems with some others. And uncertainty tends to do that, doesn't it? When we're facing all these issues and there are all these questions arise, we just tend to not... It makes it really more difficult to get along, right? Because you think we should go left and I think we should go right. And you can almost hear this little church in Philippi asking the questions. What should we do? What's going to happen to us? Is God with us or not? Is, Is... Is this gospel? Is this faith that we're holding on to? Is is this worth the price that we might be asked to pay? And then Paul's trying to answer that in this letter to them. And so he begins in in chapter 2 as he's walking them through, kind of thinking about some of the, the issues before them. He offers what we know is the Christ hymn to the people You know, it's that famous passage where Paul says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited or grasped or held on to, but emptied himself, poured himself out, and stepped into the uncertainty of being born in human likeness And he became obedient. He trusted God even to the point of his death. And that's a tall order because we're not Christ, right? Have the same mind as Christ. Empty yourself. Be obedient. Trust God to the point of death. That's a tall order. And so Paul continues to talk and to write to them. And so when we get to our dwelling passage in Philippians 3, Paul begins to tell them and to share with them some of the uncertainties in his own life and some of the things that he's dealt with. And he reminds them of their purpose and reminds them of the goal of the gospel that they've embraced. And he offers them a way forward in the midst of tremendous uncertainty. Let's back up just a couple of verses from where we usually begin on Sunday morning dwelling together to verse 4. And Paul says, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, member of the people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul says, folks, I was the real deal. No one could hold a candle to me. I had my act together. My life was certain. And my faith was certain. I was confident in who I was. I was confident in what I was doing. I was confident in where I was going. And then this Jesus character shows up and turns my life upside down. And now, certainty's kind of gone out the window in a lot of ways, because he goes on. Yet whatever gains I had, all the confidence that I had, these I've come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, everything I'd placed confidence in, gone. And I regard them as rubbish on the trash pile in order in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law not based upon my own certainty and my own confidence but one that comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God based on faith on trust and I want to know Christ And I want to know the power of His resurrection. And I want to know the sharing of His sufferings by becoming like Him in His death. If somehow, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not confident in myself, in my own ability. Not that I've already obtained all this. Not that I've reached the goal by any stretch of the imagination, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me His own. I'm not pressing on because I've got to do this in order to be saved. I'm pressing on because Christ Jesus called me and claimed me and I belong to Him. And it's this deep desire welling up from within me that says, this is who I want to be like. And beloved, I don't consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. Everything I place confidence in, everything I was about, every, every, everything I was, lies behind. And I strain forward to a lot lies ahead. My focus is on where Christ is calling me. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Now I listen for that call, and I follow where that call is even into the midst of uncertainty, even if it means sitting in a Roman jail cell with my life in the balance. I want to hear that call. Let those of us then who are mature be of that same mind of listening to that call. And if you think anything differently about anything, well, God reveal it to you only In the meantime, listen to the call and let us hold fast to what we've attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross, they have their confidence in in all of the wrong things. And I've often told you of them, and now I tell you, even with tears, their end is destruction, their God is the belly, their glory is in their shame, their minds are set on earthly things as it is with everyone who finds confidence and tries to find security in all those kinds of things. But our citizenship is in heaven. We answer, we're listening for a different kind of power, for a different kind of voice, we belong to a different culture we're looking for a different world and it's from there that we are expecting a savior the lord jesus christ and he will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things Subject to himself. The word of God for the people of God. Paul seems to say throughout this letter and and in this passage that we've spent a lot of time in, that the goal of the gospel is transformation. And it's transformation not just of you and not just of me, but it's transformation of the whole world. And it's like we pray every Sunday morning, may it be so on earth as it is in heaven. This is the goal of the gospel the gospel pushes against all the uncertainties of the world all the answers that we hear bandied about around us and all of the argument and all of the name calling and all of the uncertainty the gospel says the day is coming when transformation will be complete The gospel, the goal of the gospel is transformation of people and of lives and of situations and of the entire world. The gospel says that with a certainty in the midst of tremendous uncertainty of the world around us. And the instrument that the gospel uses in that transformation is the community of faith it's you you are the instrument the gospel uses in transformation why because you are citizens of another realm you're aliens you're a bit odd you pray you place your confidence in other places You are examples, Paul says, to one another. Paul can say, follow my example. And he says, be of the same mind and same purpose so that you can help one another as agents of transformation. And he goes on to mention in the the conflict between the two women, between uh, Euodia and Syntyche, he he tells the community of faith, he tells the church, hey, folks, You help these two people get along. You help them in the process of transformation. Your presence, your being a part of this body is important for the transformation of the rest of us. You're part and parcel of that transformation. God works through you to change me. God works through me to change you. The little churches that Paul planted around the Mediterranean all those years ago were little seeds of transformation that spilled out into the world. As he went around that crescent of the Mediterranean Sea, And planted little pockets of people who were going to hold to this gospel. They were going to be transformed by it. But those seeds of transformation didn't affect just them. It spilled out into the world in which they lived. And it changed the world. It transformed the world. And certainly not overnight. But the world was forever changed through those small little communities, communities that represented seeds of change. And so, as we live together in this location, you are a seed of transformation when you go to work, you are a seed of transformation. In your families. You are a seed of transformation in your neighborhoods. And as a church, we are a seed of transformation here across the street. When we share our facility with other groups, when we are involved in the lives of elementary children and their families, when we feed hungry folks when we meet together on some Sunday morning to pray and to worship and to spend time in God's Word, we are all being seeds of transformation, springing forth into something that we may not know just yet. It all feels terribly uncertain sometimes. We may have difficulty recognizing it sometimes. But God is at work of that, we can be certain. And the power, Paul goes on to say, of all this transformation is resurrection power. That's why he wants to know Christ and the power of His rising, becoming like Him in His death, so that somehow He may attain the resurrection from the dead. Resurrection. New creation is ongoing and it is continual. Transformation, resurrection is life emerging out of death. The work of new creation, which you are, is resurrection work. It often surprises us. We often don't expect it. And when we look at resurrection, let me encourage you not to simply only look at the final resurrection. You are experiencing resurrections even now. Because you're participating in the gospel. You are pouring yourself out as Christ did. And so each time, Your actions, your words, plant that seed of transformation. If you will look, there will be little resurrections taking place all around you. Resurrections of relationship. Resurrection of helping someone find, even if just for a moment, a better life, a better situation. Little resurrections that are always taking place, moving the world toward that final day when Christ is all in all and over all. But Paul is also honest enough to tell them that the requirement of any transformation, what precedes any resurrection is death. And that's why Paul says, I want to become like Christ in His death. Because without death, there's no resurrection. Our baptism is what life as a follower of Jesus will look like. In imitation of Christ, we die and we rise to new life. And baptism might happen in a moment, but the work of resurrection and transformation continues. For the past couple of years, we've had that those words on that chart at the back of the room. It says, we are the body of Christ. And through the rectifying power of God, we are becoming who we are. That's security. You are the body of Christ. Not because you're perfect. Not because you have your act together. Not because you're certain of your own abilities. Not because you have all the answers. In fact, you don't even have the right questions. You are the body of Christ. Because God says you are. That is certain. But it doesn't end there. You are the body of Christ. And now, more and more, as this gospel works its way among you, you are being transformed into becoming what God has already told you that you are. You are becoming the body of Christ. You are becoming who you are. This is Paul's gospel. And that. Becoming who you are is a series of little resurrections, of death here and resurrection here, of putting this to death here and resurrecting here, of pouring ourselves out here and coming to life here, both individually and as a church. This is the goal, the work, the process of the gospel. And the Apostle Paul says, this this is the certainty of the gospel. And it leads to a particular kind of life, a particular way of life. And he says in the verses past where we typically stop reading on Sunday morning in chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, he says, therefore, because of this certainty because of this gospel that has a hold of you, because of this way of life that you've embraced, because of the power and presence of of the resurrected Jesus among you, I tell you, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone, not your anxiety. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Even in the midst, particularly in the midst, always in the midst of the greatest uncertainties you're facing, do this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts in your minds, in Christ Jesus. You can place your confidence on this. You can find certainty in the love of the Father and in the power of the resurrected Jesus. And finally, beloved, whatever is true and whatever is honorable and whatever is just and whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things because these things are gospel things. These things are from God. Do not be overwhelmed with the uncertainties that will never be answered until the Lord returns. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and seen and heard in me and the God of peace will be with you." So Paul's, I think, telling this little church in Philippi that to be human is to be immersed in a world that is terribly uncertain. And it will be so until the Lord returns. But he also says, but not you. You've been immersed into the death and resurrection of Christ. And you've been raised up into the love of the Father. And so you have reason for confidence, even in the midst of uncertainties. Not in yourself, not in your flesh, not in your ability. You have reason for confidence in the gospel, the good news of transformation and Paul says to him of that in this world that is so uncertain of that you can be certain